right, welcome back to the Young Turks. Let's get to it. Uh, joining me now is Peter Dow. He was the digital media strategist for Hillary Clinton. Uh, and at the time, not a big fan of Bernie Sanders. Uh, now, a little bit of a change of heart and mind, uh, and we want to talk to us through Peter. Uh, welcome back to the Young Turks after a long, long time. Exactly, last time was uh, 2010, I believe. Uh, yeah, I lost track. Uh, so <laughs> yes, uh, so Peter and I uh, go back a while, and then we were progressives in the trenches, uh, working in digital media, working as bloggers uh, for a long, long time. And then we had very significant disagreements <laughs> during the 2016 campaign uh, when uh, I, I supported Bernie Sanders in the primaries and obviously Peter worked for Hillary Clinton. He's written a new book called Digital Civil War Confronting the Far Right Menace. Okay, and you also have a different point of view on Bernie Sanders these days. So let's start there and then we'll get into some of the details. What's your new take on Bernie Sanders? Well, my new take is really just not to have a 2016 take. My focus on is on 2020 and what we need to do to win. And what I've been arguing is, and this is for me personally, I'm not telling other people what to do with their feelings and with the frustration from from that election, but for me personally, I want to look at Bernie Sanders as one of the front runners in the campaign, and I want to treat him that way and look at what's positive about him. I don't want to tear him down uh, because of frustrations I may have had or disagreements in 2016. So I'm just trying to be forward-looking about it. And you know, he, he certainly has brought issues that are critically important to me, like inequality that I've been talking about, as you know, for many years. Uh, so that's sort of how I'm looking at it, forward-looking. We got to win in 2020. This matters. So I'm just gonna read you one of, of course, many possible tweets from back in the day that you wrote. And I'm curious what you think of it now. This is from November 30th of 2016. You wrote, I'll be crystal clear, Bernie Sanders has absolutely no business determining the course of the Democratic Party after the harm he did to us. Do you still believe that or do you regret writing that? I don't regret writing it because as I've said, in the heat of that battle, Chank, we were, look, you know, even families, close family members get in very bitter fights. And sometimes even when you're family, you fight more bitterly than with strangers. It was ugly, uh, it went off the rails. It got far more severe than any of us expected. There were agitators coming from the outside making it worse. So my, my position is, look, it was a fight. And I looked back over the past year or two to see what was my role? Was I constructive? You know, Am I being constructive now in trying to you know, look inside myself and see what I can do better. So it's not so much as I regret this tweet or that tweet. I wrote a lot of things. Look, we were throwing punches and punches were being thrown at us. Um, but I need to get past it because I, I, for me, it's a personal distraction. I really need to focus on the Republican Party because as far as I'm concerned, the authoritarian streak has gone out of control the past year or so. They've become a lawless, <laughs> become, I mean, they've been like this a long time. But the lawlessness is increasing to the point where I fear that we're not going to be able to have these public voices we have, you know, two, three, four, or five years from now if they win in 2020. So, you know, you go over those tweets, they were done in the heat of battle. Um, and they are what they are, they're part of the past in, in my mind. So Peter, I understand that, and and no one fights back against Republicans like we do, okay? And with fire and brimstone. So, and we're gonna get to that in a second. But I think in order to get past it, there has to be some sort of reconciliation. And so, yeah. and and there's a couple of things that I know certainly bother Bernie Sanders supporters, and it bothers me too. So. One is the idea that Bernie Sanders cost Hillary Clinton the election. It's just not supported by facts at all. 
And so when when it is brought up continually to this day, it's hard to get past. And so number one, what's your take on that? And number two, what is it about your former colleagues that they cannot stop saying that even though statistically, empirically, it's not historically true within context? Look, this is what I've said to my friends who have been Hillary Clinton supporters and what I've said to Bernie Sanders supporters I disagree with. We are never going to resolve those disputes. You know, For every single person who says the election was rigged by the DNC against Bernie, you have a Hillary person saying that's absolutely you know, outlandish and it's the exact opposite. For everybody who says that Bernie cost Hillary the election, you'll have a Bernie Sanders supporter saying he was out there campaigning for her, he went to Wisconsin for her, he went all around the country for her. I, I, you know, sometimes you reach a point in a fight, and, and you know, because we've talked about this, that you know, I grew up in a civil war. I've seen people who were shooting at each other make peace with one another. And it doesn't mean that you forgive and forget necessarily, but you realize for the greater good that those fights are never gonna be resolved. So I could get back and forth with you, but I don't know how that's gonna be productive. I could argue, you know, he did X amount of damage, you could say, no, he didn't, or I could say this, or I could say that, but I, I think these are fights that will never be resolved, frankly. I, I don't, you know, as I say, for every one argument, there's the exact opposite with the same vehemence and force and conviction. So, yeah, I even, just, but even, yeah, to, Peter, even to this yeah. day, I, I disagree with that framing because there are right. facts, there are real facts. Uh, so, I mean, twice as many Hillary Clinton uh, voters backed John McCain over Barack Obama as Bernie Sanders voters. Backed uh, uh, Trump over Hillary Clinton, so that's a fact. It's a fact, and and Hillary Clinton encouraged it by uh, backing Puma. The Puma Group was party unity, my ass, back in 08. Anyway, uh, but I hear you. I'm not getting back into it. But my main I- issue, Peter, isn't to relitigate that. We can do that for the rest of the time. Right. My issue is that Bernie Sanders is in the race right now, right now, yep. and and what we have is Democrats who uh, will not let it go. And, and continually say things that aren't true about Bernie Sanders to this day. So, right. I mean, you worked with the Clinton team, you were on the Clinton team. So you're a good person to ask, why do you think they continue to do that? Well, just to clarify one thing, I wasn't part of the Clinton team formally in 2016. It was 2008 where I worked for her campaign. 2016, I was on the outside of the campaign. But look, I, I have had my, uh, disputes and arguments recently with the Clinton team, right? Because I've, I've, I've been critical of some of the things the campaign did. And this my, my coming, you know, I wrote a piece for the nation about Bernie Sanders and how he's a front runner and should be treated as such and we shouldn't try to tear him down. So, you know, as you know, I get it, I get it, and you do too. We, you know, you get it from all sides. If you, if you move in one direction, you get people who are not happy with that. You go the other direction, people not happy with that. But I think right now, you're asking the right question. Um, what do we do right now? Bernie Sanders is an important candidate in this race, brings very important issues to this race. And as I said, again, in my nation piece, I haven't endorsed him. In fact, I'm looking pretty closely at Elizabeth Warren because I think she's running an excellent campaign. This is not about asking anybody to to only back Bernie Sanders, but sure as hell, I'm not going to um, you know support people saying never Bernie. We can't afford a never right now. We never anybody. You know, we have to all come together to defeat the menace that we're facing. So yes, to your point, absolutely, I could categorically, categorically reject the notion that we should 
you know, destroy his candidacy because we just don't like him from 2016. Others can do that, and I strongly encourage them not to because I think it would be a terrible mistake. Yeah, I mean, I find the idea of never anything to be borderline hilarious. I mean, never Klobuchar. I mean, never Klobuchar. Really? How about against Trump? How about against Ted Cruz? How about against Hitler? Okay, right. what do you mean, never Klobuchar? I mean, not that that exists because there's not nobody really cares yes. about Klobuchar. But I don't think that one. But yeah. <laughs> yeah, but 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 do you see that there is um, a disparity here? That that. While, for example, you know, I was called Bernie Bro, I don't know, 1.2 million times or 12 million times. I don't know how many times I was called that. But I turned around and said Hillary Clinton versus Donald Trump is a no-brainer, biggest no-brainer I've ever seen. Because one side literally has no brain. Okay, and so and 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 I think that I'm proud of that. I was I was right about. I think I was right in the primary. I think I was right in the general election. And I'm not going to back down from anybody on that. Now, having said that, to this day, you still have folks in Washington who say that's right. Unity never attacked Biden or Buttigieg or Beto O'Rourke or Kamala Harris, but right. they do not abide by the same rules for Sanders. They go, oh no no, unity for my guys, but for your guy. I'm gonna have the Washington Post write 28 op-eds against them every single day. I'm gonna have every pundit on television tell us how unrealistic and terrible he is and how he can't win. And what, 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 what do you mean? Like, so when we see that, Peter, it's maddening. And my question is not like, does it exist? You already acknowledge that it does. My question right. is why? Like you were in those rooms, it's not just right. 2016. There's something about Bernie Sanders that drives the establishment nuts. What is it? Oh, well, I'm going to answer a very particular part of your question because I think it's it's the key one, certainly from my perspective. Bernie Sanders threatens the establishment, um, and when I say the establishment, I, I want to be very specific. I, I think people really took umbrage that organizations like Planned Parenthood were being lumped with the establishment, and they're not. They're fighting for a very, very important issue for women's freedom of choice. However, the Democratic establishment is certainly threatened by Bernie Sanders. The media establishment is threatened by Bernie Sanders, and not him personally. It's it's what he represents and the movement behind him. And I understand that. Look, you know, because I remember sitting down with you in, in Soho, in New York in 2001, 2002, talking about the problems with the Democratic Party on, on, on the Patriot Act, on the Iraq War, always caving to Republicans. So that is still a problem, an even worse problem right now. Look at impeachment, look at Kavanaugh, just caving to Republicans. So, so, so the Beltway establishment, which I was in the belly of that beast uh, when I worked for two campaigns, uh, gives me unlimited, endless frustration for 20 years now. I believe that establishment, sort of the beltway media political establishment, definitely threatened by the, by, by the movement he generates and the excitement. Uh, so I'm, I'm with you on that. I definitely see that, but I want I think we need to be specific on whose establishment. Here's the thing, Cenk, I, I'm not in a position to tell John Lewis, for example, <laughs> that I judge him. You know, AOC, Maxine Waters, there are some amazing Democrats who have given their life to this country, and, and I'm not gonna sit here and say the entire Democratic Party is equal to the Republicans. I don't like false equivalents. Democrats are far better, but the party leadership needs to change. And I've said that for a long time, and I think we're probably on the same page with that. Yeah, well, I have a theory that, that that does not sit well with Washington. I think the Democratic Party, and I totally agree with you that it's not all of it. I very often say on the show, it's 99% of the Republican Party. Walter Jones, the 
terribly wrong right winger, but he's an honest guy that and 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 doesn't believe that money should control politics. Uh, he's one of the most conservative guys in Congress, but he's at least honest. So 99% of the Republican Party, but about 80% of the Democratic Party. I don't think it's that complicated. They take money from corporate donors and they serve corporate donors. And so when Bernie Sanders comes along and says, we're not gonna do that anymore, they think that their gravy train's about to end. So to them, that's an existential threat. Whereas Nancy Pelosi admitted, well, under Donald Trump, we've raised more money, not less. And and then she turns around and says, I don't want to impeach. Gee, I wonder why. I, so I, I think that they are paid to lose. They're paid to be weak. I don't think it's conscious. Don't get me wrong. It's not a conspiracy. But I think it's subconscious. Uh, what do you think? You know, I, I, I think a lot about this. I think a lot about the motives and, um, you know, I don't really know the answer. I, I you know, I, as I say, I worked in the Beltway, and I, I've seen a lot of these people, and, and and many mean well, and others you don't really know what they're what they're up to. But the end result is failure. You know, when 20 years ago when I got into politics, things are far worse than they were then. I mean, the, the you know, remember Free Republic and places like that. The Breitbart and Free Republic comment sections, which were fringe at the time, are now in the White House running the country. And running, you know, stacking the judiciary. I mean, this is terrifying to me. I look at my own my own work as an activist and ask, have I failed? What have I done wrong? And maybe I haven't been hard enough on the Democratic Party because it's the only institution we have to fight these radical extremist Republicans. So look, you know, you may be right, you may be wrong, you may be right about some people. Certainly money is a huge influence in politics and affects people's uh, decisions. So I'm not gonna contest what you're saying. I just don't know if that's what it is in every case. But the end result is they're failing. Well, that we 100% agree on. Uh, so the book is Digital Civil War, Confronting the Far-Right Menace. And then in the book, you talk about how uh, you're concerned if the Democrats understand what's happening on the internet. Uh, well, I have a conclusion on that. They most certainly do not. Uh, and, and I believe that the Democrats, in fact, have a disdain for the internet. They think that TV and the New York Times is legitimate, but anything that happens online is not legitimate. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean, the 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 liberal media myth, right? That the New York Times, Washington Post, and and the major outlets, CNN, are, are all liberal, is exactly how the conservative and 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 it's not really conservative; it's right wing extremist. I don't want to even give them that it's conservative. Right wing media infrastructure functions. So yes, there's this huge liberal media, and we're just the antidote to that. And that is sort of how they how how they create an excuse for the propaganda that they spew. But the fact is, you're right. I mean, Democrats um, buy into it, right? And that's extremely dangerous because if you're accepting that the mainstream, or really it's corporate media, is liberal, you are really accepting a right-wing talking point and you're helping a right-wing frame. And that's why progressive media is never really supported. This, as you know, has been a problem for the two decades I've been in politics. Nobody supports progressive media. But you have billionaires and oligarchs funding right-wing media and funding think tanks, think tanks to feed them talking points. So, so they have a, a coherent, powerful media infrastructure to deliver their message. And you know the Democratic Party and pundits and strategists just buy into it and don't realize how they're being conned, essentially. Yeah, I think that there's two components to that. One is that the Democratic donors are not going to fund progressive media because they're not progressive. They are economically conservative. They're good folks on social issues, 
They believe that black people should have the same rights, gay people should have the same rights. But on economic issues, they largely agree with the Republican establishment. So why would they fund media such as ourselves or anyone else to say things like we should raise taxes on the rich and we should have Medicare for all? They're never going to fund that because they're not on our side. So that's right. that's point one. I don't. We don't even need to debate that. That's a fact. Okay. So and it's evident in what they have done, their actions, their donations, etc. But right. but there's I think another side to it as well, which is. Uh, pettiness. Look here, I'll give you a specific example related to us. For us, it's not personal, but I felt like with uh, the Clinton campaign, it was. So, right. and it's a matter of control too. So yeah. the Clinton team, uh, I thought, controlled a lot of what happened on television. They didn't in a lot of cases, and the obsession with the emails was preposterous. And we can go on. I'm not saying that the TV was easy on Hillary Clinton. But the Clinton team did seem to give notes to MSNBC. That seemed pretty clear. I've talked to an MSNBC reporter saying that they would get notes after every time he criticized the Clinton campaign. And then we did not back Hillary Clinton during the primary. And then they told us in the general election that basically we will not support you in any way, shape, or form as payback. So there'll be no you know, folks backing, surrogates backing Hillary Clinton going on your program. And there'll be no advertisements on your program. I said, okay, have it your way, but you know, you're running for president and you're running against Donald Trump. You might not want to take those chances. But they took right. those chances, and we all, I don't mean the young Turks, we as the country paid a heavy, heavy price for that. You know, did you did you see things like that during 2016? Well, look, I, I a few weeks ago I lobbed a criticism at 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 Hillary's campaign team, and a couple of her staffers just went nuts on me. It's like vicious insult, just out of nowhere. And you know, I'm thinking to myself, look, guys, you got to take criticism for what happened in 2016. But look, I, I've said this. I'm. <laughs> This this sort of you know reaching out trying to build bridges and 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 not treat Bernie Sanders the enemy. I'm not going to start trying to pander to one audience by attacking Hillary Clinton or near a tandem, and I'm not going to start attacking Bernie Sanders to to keep certain Hillary Clinton supporters you know feeling like oh you're still on our side. I, I'm really not trying to play either side. I'm just trying to go for what I think is the right thing to do, which is to try to win. But but certainly her media team made mistakes. I think they made uh, significant mistakes in 2015, not understanding how to deal with the media properly. And certainly I was not aware of what you just said, but uh, you, you know, you can't turn down any media. So that was uh, clearly an unforced error to, to do that, no matter who you backed in 2016. Yeah, and, and I think that that is the core of what turned people off. Not that particular story, nobody even knew that story. But the, the, the arrogance uh, and, and the elitism, right? Oh, well, you know, if MSNBC does what they are told, then we will go on there. But otherwise, we will punish you if you don't back us. But that's right. Yeah, no, I see what you're saying. Again, campaigns do get end up in a bubble, right? I've worked for two presidential campaigns, and that bubble where you think you're just going to win and you're in charge and you're control and you call the shots is not the right approach to take. It's not an approach I would have taken, but of course, I was not part of the campaign in 2016. I wasn't running in 2008. Progressive media needs to be supported much more than it is right now by by Democrats in general, certainly Democratic campaigns. So let's see how 2020 goes. You know, one of the things I had planned to ask you already, but you started to get to it in your last answer, is how does it feel to be in the wilderness? 
because <laughs> once you step outside the club, and even a light criticism of the club uh, will get you into that cold, dark wilderness where all of a sudden, the right. not only the outward criticisms, but the whisper campaign will start. Oh, poor right. Peter Dow. Uh-huh. And then and that slight subtle disdain that the club loves to do. And so right. have have you begun to feel that that uh, cold winter air? I get it from all sides, you know. I you know, it may be my personality and because I'm pretty hard hitting. You know, I try not to insult people and get personal, but I'm pretty hard hitting and opinionated about my views. I know I'm I'm self-aware enough to know that I can rub people the wrong way. So, I you know, 20 years in this uh, in the trenches of politics, I get it from every side, from the right, you know, the left, the center. It just depends on what position I take. So I've learned not to care. And look, there's another thing more directly to your question, because you're asking a very specific question. I want to answer it. You know, I have the experience of working at the very top of, of presidential politics in America, and it's a rush. You know, to 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 be to to have senators and presidential candidates call you on your cell phone and and talk to you and ask your advice is a very heady experience, especially for a guy who was a house music musician, right, <laughs> in in the '90s. But I've reached a point in my life where I just don't. I, I'm very blunt with you. I don't need the ego stroke, right? I don't care if I'm inside a club or outside a club at this point. I'm just worried for my family, and I'm worried for my friends, and I'm worried for my country. I'm more worried maybe than other people are because I lived in another country during a war. Uh, I'm terrified. Like I, I'm worried about us reaching the point where you and I could not openly have this conversation without. Uh, you know, I know we're monitored, right? I mean, you know, this is a surveillance society basically we live in. But you know, I worry about our freedoms being taken away, like the whole classic frogs in boiling water, where our freedoms are eroding right before our eyes, and you know, a lot of people don't seem to notice or have the requisite level of alarm. Yeah, so I agree with you completely on that. Uh, so. When, you know, you talk about progressive priorities, and I saw that you wrote, uh, well, one of the progressive priorities should be uh, maintaining our system of government and, and rule of law. I think people are vastly uh, underestimating uh, Trump's fascist tendencies. I think he would end our democracy in a second if he thought it was to his advantage. And people Absolutely. keep assuming that he thinks like they do. He does not, he does not. He thinks only about himself. He's got clinical issues. So last thing then, Peter, um, if you had to give advice to the Democratic Party, and you do, right? You wrote a book about it. What would be the core of that advice going forward? Like, you know, the book is Digital Civil War because I think we're in one. Um, and my advice in the book is to stop playing on the far right's turf. On every issue, on climate, <laughs> we're busy arguing whether climate change actually exists. On guns, should we be arming teachers? You know, on abortion, you know, are, are Democrats murdering babies? On every issue, on immigration, should we be kidnapping children and caging them in, in freezers? They detain them in frigid holding cells. The entire national fight or debate or argument is happening on the far right's turf. Democrats, go left. Because left, <laughs> because, you know, the center is really right at this point. So, you know, this is why I backed AOC so early before everybody jumped on board when she was still in the campaign. I thought I saw her. I thought this is somebody willing to speak the progressive language boldly. So I, I, I would counsel all Democrats if I were running campaigns, you know, move left because you got to pull that conversation back towards common sense. Well, uh, it is a interesting world and you never know where things end up. On that, we certainly agree. Go left, go left, and uh, and it, by the way, it's a center-left country. 
If you kept going left, it'd take you a long time to get to where Americans actually are. And not people in Washington, where Americans are. Look right. at the polling, look at the facts. Americans are very, very progressive. They very largely agree with AOC. It's not, uh, it shouldn't be that surprising why she's so popular. It's not an accident, it's not random. It's because yep. those positions are deeply popular in the country. You're right. All right, Peter Dow, uh, new book is Digital Civil War. Thank you for joining us and thank you for reaching out. Pleasure to reconnect. All right. Okay, uh, we're gonna take a quick break here. And when we come back, normally we'd be going to members only, but we're not. We're gonna stay right here because we talked about AOC there. We're gonna talk about the movie about AOC and other Just Democrats who ran. It's called Knock Down the House. It came out last night on Netflix. And Ida Rodriguez, Brooke Thomas, uh, and I watched it. We're gonna come back, tell you about it. Now, I also have some insight into what happened behind the scenes because, of course, I was supporting uh, all of those candidates. And you saw every one of those candidates on this air repeatedly. Uh, and so we want to give you that context, and I think it's going to be a really, really interesting conversation. In fact, uh, one of those candidates just uh, tweeted something very nice uh, about how the Young Turks treated them. So I'll give you that context as well, and some of the best lines in the movie, and what I thought was the most moving parts. So uh, stay right here, everybody, tyt.com. We'll be right back. <laughs> 